Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. Yeah, and as usual, as you have questions that come up, feel free to send them in. Uh, there's two ways you can do that. One, you can send them to info at grove.church, shoot us an email. Or the second thing you can do is jump on our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. We have a campus in Marysville and in Snohomish. You can direct message our Facebook page there, and we get a hold of those questions, and we'll take time every week at the end of our podcast to answer those questions. So feel free to send them in. And one quick thing I wanted to... I, we've said this a couple times in the podcast, but just to reiterate, um, if you are listening to this in the distant future, as in not the Sunday that it comes out, and you have a question, email it in, and then we'll answer it in the future. So, like, if that if that makes sense, because right now, like, we don't have to have questions in the that future. are future. Yeah, we don't have to have to. Like, if we had a question right now from someone who is a year behind, we would still answer that yeah, question for sure. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So, like, don't feel like if you're not caught up with it, if you have a question. Send it in. Yeah. That's we love answering questions. So, yeah, and this totally. is our. It makes me sad because this is our first two week stretch in the history of the podcast where we didn't have any questions come in. Well, because so. we've done such a good job talking about the Bible that people don't have questions after they listen to us talk. I like the way you think, Dan. I like the way you think. I just speak truth. Uh, At least I hope. <laughs> so, for our resources that we're using today, uh, we have the ESE Study Bible, Logos Bible software. Um, which I saw in the notes that Aaron put uh, a novel at the bottom of the notes from Logos. So well, I just copied and pasted something from Logos about Hezekiah, who we're talking about today. Uh, that was just fun to, for me to be able to, as Evan talks, I'm going to tune out and read what I put down there. So I'm just <laughs> Maybe. kidding. Uh, as well as the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary by J.D. Douglas and Merrill C. Tenney. So Evan's going to have all the smart books. I'm going to have the computer stuff. So, so The computer's like... Thousands of smart books it's true. compiled into one program, but I don't have to read them all, dude. I definitely it compiles all of it for me. I, I definitely looked at logos like price wise because like I should pick this up at some point, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait a little bit. It's so it's so expensive. Well, and the beauty is like total shout out to they're actually local here in Washington State. They're from Bellingham is where they started. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they have it. They had a payment plan. I finished paying it off, so it's mine officially now. Uh, nice. But it really is a robust, phenomenal program. But it's 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 deep. Um, and it's, yeah, I will. I still have to do some training videos to even understand how to use all of it, but I will certainly be getting it at some point. And I will say like, not that this is an ad for logos or whatever, but if you are, um, a teacher, a pastor of any kind, or just want a more in-depth Bible study, that's yeah. it's well, when they have different versions, different levels, right? You know, it's so, great software. And Hey, Evan's dad, if you're listening to this again, thanks first off for the compliment about our Trinity podcast. It's a great Christmas present too, FYI. Wink, wink. There you go. The Trinity podcast is a great bro. Christmas no, present. No, logos. Oh, I got you, bro. Uh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> All right. So uh, as Aaron already said, uh, we're actually going to be talking about uh, Hezekiah today, king of Judah. Um, I, I really like the king episodes that we do just because I think they're not as talked about as no. a lot of the other Bible characters, but it's really interesting because we have this scale that we've been using. If you've been listening to the podcast at all, we, we talk about there's great kings, good kings, and bad kings. Um, yes. And so at the end of our episodes about kings, we usually just kind of where on this chart are we yeah, going right. to put them? We actually have a chart on the wall that we write on. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be cool. Because uh, I think the last one we did was Jehoshaphat. And then... Yeah, um, that was the last king we did. Yeah. And he was a good king. Yeah, good king. Not, it wasn't great, not but he great, was good. Not bad. Definitely not bad. Yeah, definitely not bad. Um, speaking of bad kings, Hezekiah's father was Ahaz. Um, and on our Would you say he takes like... The title of bad king. It was oh, like he's the worst Ahaz king. Is so bad. I didn't know that. Um, when I was so when I was looking into this because I knew like I knew Ahaz was a bad king, but he he's like a horrible. King. He did child sacrifice. That was like I don't know. Like Ahab, I feel like gets the rap for being like really bad. Um, but really he was just kind of like weak king who yeah, Ahab was a bad king, but like 
Ahaz is if the, if we were gonna have an evil king category, Ahaz would be in that category. There you go, easily. So, and I think he'd probably be the only one. <laughs> Ahaz may well be the worst king in the history of Judah. If not, he's certainly he's in he's in the running. Yeah, it's uh, there's you you really can't argue him out so of that bad. category. Yeah. Um, so we talk about yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk about Ahaz here not for super long, but it's because it's Hezekiah's dad. So we gotta you know you gotta understand yeah. where he's coming from. Well, and what's interesting about it is Hezekiah. Um, he becomes king at a, not an old age, but he's, he's 25. Yeah. And so this is, he's not like Josiah where he's eight, um, but he's, he's clearly grown up in the court of his father mm-hmm. and has seen his father become king. And he's, he's old enough to comprehend the things that his father is doing. So yeah. that's important um, because like I said, Ahaz was, he basically fully rejected, um, he fully rejected God. He was worshiping idols. He was engaging in child sacrifice and condoning those sort of things. Um, and yeah, I think Ahaz, the best part of Ahaz's life was before he was king. There you go. Because <laughs> he couldn't do all those bad things from a leadership standpoint. But dude, yeah. And what's interesting about Hezekiah is... If we ever want to have a Debbie Downer day, we should totally do a podcast on Ahaz. <laughs> there you go. Um, what's interesting about Hezekiah is that when he takes the throne, it's it's not a slow coming to realize that what mm-hmm. his father was doing was wrong. It was like the first thing that he does is the, the Bible that the Bible records is he tears down the high yeah. places and reopens the temple. And so instantly, I, almost immediately. Right. And I sworn it's almost like a picture. Yeah. He's sworn in and it's like, okay, first thing we're doing is this. Yep. And I do, I do wonder if part of that is just because his father was so extremely evil um, that he just knew right from the bat that this yeah, was right. the right thing to do. Cause you see with Josiah, who I think is the last, um, whether we call him good or great, I would call him one of the great Kings of Judah. Um, but he's definitely the last one who's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but with him, it takes a while. Yeah. Uh, and granted that's partly because he comes keen at eight, I believe is yeah, how old he was. I think he was the youngest King. Yeah. Um, so be- my daughter's going to turn seven in like 13 days or something like that. There you go. I can't imagine her she, being, she could lead a country in, in a year and a half. <laughs> That'd be insane. Um, but yeah, with Isaiah, I think it's not until he's like six, not Isaiah, man, uh, Josiah, I think it's not until he's like 16 that he begins to start the reform. Whereas mm-hmm. with Hezekiah, we see right when he's king, he tears down the high places. Um, and actually, well, I, here, we'll read a little bit of a passage here because I think we have it uh, done. So in 2 Kings 18, 1 through 4, it says, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter great of Ze- yeah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he My did My daughter's name that's why I said great name. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that is that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehu Nehushtan. I should have looked up how Nehushtan. to pronounce it. Nehushtan. That's there you go. You, bro. Dude, you get you have my back on a lot of the pronunciations. Yeah. Don't um, forget it either. That and I, do, I, I will say this real quick. The fact that he, you know, it, it, it connects him to David is a big deal right. in scripture because David was, in essence, from a biblical perspective, the epitome of what it meant to be king. Well, not even biblical, just like even the kings of Israel look back to David as well. Like, yeah, but I'm just saying, man. like in general, people don't look to like David's the guy that I want to be like because David had his own failures and faults, and and we've talked about them many different times in this podcast. But um, the simple fact that Hez, uh, you know Hezekiah was compared to the father in the lineage of David is a right. big, big, big deal. Um, it also, spoiler alert, connects to Jesus's genealogy in the New Testament. 
Uh, and so that's part of also the connection here between saying all his father David had done because Jesus comes from the line of David. So does Hezekiah. So Hezekiah is in that genealogy. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, all the kings of Judah are in Jesus's lineage for some for good, some for yes, some Ahaz is not a guy that you want to have in your lineage. But no. anyway, I wonder if he gets skipped. I don't know the answer to that. But in the genealogy, they skip a couple of generations. I wonder if Ahaz was one of those, but I could be. Like I said, hopefully, that, who no, knows? Just kidding. Uh, anyway, so moving, uh, moving forward. There. The other thing I think is interesting is that he uh, destroys the bronze serpent that mm -hmm. Moses had made, um, which is really kind of like, I mean, it's a big deal because yeah. that's like that's a relic of the past. I would imagine that's why so many of the kings of Judah hadn't destroyed it, but they were saying that it had morphed from, it had morphed from a symbol of God's provision into a God in itself that they would make offerings to. And yeah. So, and one of the things that I read said the same thing is the reason why he got rid of it is because he, he didn't want people worshiping it. Um, and that's what it became. It became this, this worship. And that's why the name, you know, it was called Nehushtan is because it was now an idol that God's people were worshiping, not a, a, a reminder of God's provision and healing. So, right. So Hezekiah starts off, he's making a ton of religious reforms. Right gate. Good job, Hezekiah. Great job. Um, but he also, inherits a really tense political mm -hmm. situation. And so um, at this point, Egypt had been declining for a few centuries, but it was still a, a major world power. Um, and I mean, I guess that just kind of gives you an idea of how powerful Egypt was at its height, that it could have been <coughs> declining. Uh, basically, Egypt was in decline longer than the United States has been a nation, and it was still a world power. It's just one of those things where... Um, Really, the world hadn't seen anything like Egypt at the time. So mm -hmm. not that that's it's what true. this podcast is talking about. But, you know, ancient history is interesting. Um, but in addition to Egypt, there's also Assyria, which is a rising power. Um, and I, I was getting – I could not nail down the exact time. And it's partly because I suppose um, with the, the fall of the northern kingdom, there's – it's not like the fall in the sense of the kingdoms destroyed. It's more of that a vassal king's installed and all those different things. But at the time, Assyria is asserting dominance over – um, the Northern Kingdom for sure. And then within the reign of Hezekiah, the actual fall of the Northern Kingdom will take place as well, where uh, Samaria will be destroyed and all those things. So mm -hmm. uh, if you want to think of it this way, Judah is centered around where Jerusalem is now. So if you can imagine that part of the world, the whole Northern border of Judah is going to be controlled by Assyria, the Assyrian empire. And to the South, they have Egypt, pushing against their borders there. So they're caught in between these two superpowers. And in addition to that, there's Babylon, which is on the rise as well, which mm -hmm. doesn't factor into early in King Hezekiah's reign, but it will factor in. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, and so there's a lot of pressure for Hezekiah to actually make alliances either, you know, with Egypt against Assyria, maybe against Assyria with, uh, or with Assyria against Egypt, all these different things. Um, but Hezekiah does the right thing. And he actually, um, just trust in the Lord. He says he's not going to rely on foreign uh, on foreign alliances, which is the mistake that Jehoshaphat made. You'll remember when we talked mm -hmm. about that. So uh, Hezekiah uh, says he's he's yeah he's going to trust the Lord to protect Judah, 
not in foreign alliances. What, um, and Isaiah told him. Isaiah is the one that warned Hezekiah not to assume anything with Syria. Right. Um, and we see that in Isaiah 20, verses 1 through 6. That's yeah. part of the logo stuff, just yeah. so you know. Well, no, it's great. Yeah. And Isaiah, it's, it's funny. We talked about um, in the notes, I, there's a bunch of typos where I keep typing Isaiah instead well, of Hezekiah. Well, the title of the notes here is a study of Isaiah. Right. We're actually talking about Hezekiah. It's because they're so closely connected. Isaiah was a prophet during the reign of Hezekiah. Right. Uh, and so there's a lot of like, connection there. And so, yeah, we, yeah, Isaiah and Hezekiah are very much linked, which is why in my head I'll I'll... I'll switch. He might even sometimes. slip up and say Isaiah. It's possible if he does call him out on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, ta- speaking of Isaiah and Hezekiah being linked, uh, one of the major parts of Hezekiah's life, and this is kind of the turning point, if you will, of, of his of his reign, is that he becomes very ill to mm-hmm. the point of death. Um, and so, if you're reading through in Second Kings, this can be a little bit confusing because it's a it's a flashback. Yeah. So in 18 through 19, we get uh, chapters 18 through 19, I should say, we get a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about later. And then in chapters 20 and chapter 20, we get this flashback to Hezekiah's illness. And then what we'll talk about a little bit here and what happened with Babylon. Uh, but Aaron, if you want to read Second uh, Kings 21 through 11, we get the, the story of yeah. Hezekiah's illness. It says this, uh, this is the ESV version, which is Evan's standard version. It's a great uh, version. It was so funny. It's actually the English standard, but it's Evan's favorite version. So uh, it says this, in those days, Hezekiah became six, sick, not six. Um, he became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the, uh, Isaiah the prophet, wow, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, thus said the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die. You shall not recover. Always the bearer of good news. Yeah, right. Thanks, Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with the whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out to the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you should go up. You shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add fifteen years to your life. I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And as Isaiah said, "Bring a cake of figs and let them t- and let them take and lay it on the boil, that he may recover." So part of uh, Hezekiah's sickness was boils and and a lot of that. So. Um, and verse eight says this, and Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I should go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. And Isaiah said, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do the, th- the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or go back 10 steps? And Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps. Rather, let the shadow go backward 10 steps. In other words, he's saying the sun, how should the sun move forward? 10 steps because they gauge upon steps. You can see where the sun's and the time of day, so to speak, or go backwards. So Hezekiah says, move it backwards. And Isaiah the prophet in verse 11 says, the call to the Lord. And he brought the shadow back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. So there you go. It's a pretty remarkable thing in and of itself. And I remember reading something years ago and I didn't think about it for today, uh, but just trying to figure out did God really revert the sun, move time back, so to speak? How did that look like? And they had done, there's like some biblical research or whatever that accounts for that throughout the timeline of history. I just wish I would have done the All research right. for that. I forget. Yeah. I think it's funny because like people will get hung up on, on that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's like, like, I don't know, like if it, if it didn't happen and God just basically like had an illusion happen with everyone who was there, like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then if it did happen, I feel like it's kind of weird to say like, well, I, I can believe that, 
um, God created the universe out of nothing. But hold, hold on there, <laughs> holding back like pump I don't the brakes. Yeah, it seems like okay. Like if if we're seriously believing that uh, with a command, He can command the universe to exist. I, I think God can figure out this part yeah. too. So the, the crazy, the cool thing about this passage, even in Second um, Kings, there is it's also paralleled in Isaiah. Uh, we see Isaiah talking about it in chapter 38, uh, the whole, I guess, and this is the whole of the chapter, but Isaiah approaches and talks about the same thing that happens here. So it's kind of a, a fun comparison between the two. Yeah. We talk about how, um, like, I mean, we already said it, but like Hezekiah and Isaiah are very much linked. Yes. Um, and it's, it's interesting just to, even when you're reading through the book of Isaiah, how there's, there's parts where are clearly taking place during, uh, not great Kings. And then there's parts right. that are taking place during uh, good to great kings. Like mm-hmm. even Uzziah was a, you know, a good king. Yeah, he's a good king. Not a great king. No. Not a bad king. The whole the whole uh, defaming the priesthood and leprosy really put a damper on his kingship it's towards the end there. But, but we're not talking about Uzziah today. No, it's Hezekiah. So, exactly. Um, so Hezekiah recovers. Uh, he calls out to the Lord. The Lord changes his mind. I love even the, the note that Isaiah hadn't even left the palace before yeah. God's like, hey, turn around. I'm going to heal him. And he's like, oh, okay, sweet. That, was, that didn't take very long. Yeah, it's one of the instances in scripture we see where God answers almost immediately a prayer that's being prayed. I also think it's weird um, that God straight up tells them I'm adding 15 years to your life. And so like, I, like Hezekiah knows the year that he's going to die, yeah, right. which is not really talked about and not, it's not really important to the story, but that would just be such a weird thing that, you know, like, okay, if I have 15 years, what in the year do? 2035, <laughs> like no. that's what I'm croaking. So anyway, who knows? Um, but after this, the Babylonian King, uh, sends envoys to congratulate Hezekiah on his recovery. Um, but like most political things, he had ulterior motives as well. Yep. So it's not just Hezekiah. This is where Hezekiah became a bonehead. Yep. So we'll, we'll call this section Hezekiah's failures, which is interesting because his failures are compared to other Kings. They're really not bad. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's talk about, we'll talk about his, what happened first. And then we'll, we'll kind of do yeah, some we'll talk on his legacy. Bad, bad. Uh, but Hezekiah would consider the offers of these envoys. So the offer was essentially to form an alliance with Babylon against Assyria. Um, and he would kind of be able to gain some, uh, some control and some influence over the northern kingdom again, and then Babylon would get rid of their chief rival in the the northern Mesopotamian area, right? And so this is what um, so many of the kings of Judah, this is where they fail, right? Is they they try to make foreign alliances when in reality, like the story of Israel is not supposed to be about an empire with kings making brilliant political moves. The story of Israel is supposed to be that God protects his people. Mm-hmm. And we see that all throughout the Old Testament. All, I mean, New Testament too, but the all throughout the Old Testament, what we see in, in Judges is so many of the miracles that happen are God saying like, oh, hold on, Gideon, you don't get the glory for this. I get the glory for this. Or with Joshua, with Jericho, like that. that's a theme that runs mm-hmm. all throughout. Yeah. And the kings of Judah continually forget about it. So uh, he called, uh, the invoice come, I'll go ahead and read the passage here. Uh, after... And it doesn't even say what's interesting about it is Hezekiah doesn't actually take them up on it. He just considers it. And he's thinking about like, yeah, I'm probably going to do this, I think. Um, And then it says this, then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, they have come from a far country from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show to them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who will come from you 
whom you will whom you will father shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the pal- palace of the king of Babylon then Hezekiah said to Isaiah the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good for he thought why not if there will be peace and security in my days which is also kind of like a bummer for the king to say mm-hmm. um but there you go so well uh, and it's interesting because this is part of that the the reality that um Hezekiah, it's funny because I think about like, this is after Hezekiah was sick and God healed him and answered his prayer. Right after, um, yeah. And and then it's, these envoys come, these, these you know, representatives of Babylon, and it's, he almost, it's not just that he's entertaining them, that he actually invites them in to an alliance, so to speak. He's agreeing to it by showing them the entirety of the, the palace. It, it's this moment of, I'm going to put my, and he even says at the end, like, as long as there's peace at the end of my days, like. In right. other words, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to. He's he's choosing to trust in Babylon and the peace that they can provide versus the provision and peace that God has already promised. Um, I mean, even in that even in that prayer answer to prayer, God said point blank, like I'll take care of these people. I'm giving you 15 more years. Don't worry about the Assyrians. Don't worry about these things. I'm going to take care of you. But even in that moment, Hezekiah was so. I think anxious to make sure that peace and prosperity was his during the remainder of his reign. It sounds like that all of a sudden he created a, you know, an agreement and an alliance simply by saying, Hey, check out everything I have. What's mine is now yours. Right. Um, and this is where the sin, like this is where Isaiah or Hezekiah's say I did it too. Oh, um, this is where Hezekiah's like decision really kind of interfered with what God had already promised him. Um, so anyways, well, and it's even like from a political perspective, because um, the, the thing at the, the the statement that he makes at the end, I think, is kind of indicative of um, some of his shortcomings as a king. And when you when you look at the the dynasties that fall, um, oftentimes it's a great king or ruler um, who doesn't pay enough attention to the future. Um, mm-hmm. And even reading about, um, I'm reading a book about. Um, the Medici right now, just, you know, for funsies. Um, but like one of the, uh, one of the interesting things when you, when you look into it is one of like the, like the one who's considered like the greatest is called like Lorenzo the Magnificent. Right. And so he rules Florence and there's all these different things. There's art and there's culture. Um, but when he dies, like the, the bank is out of money that they use to kind of run power. The city is, is close to being in ruins and his son rules for like two years and then it's over. Um, and what you see is like, there was so much um, attention paid to the present and that's why people kind of loved him, but there was very little attention paid to the future. And then all of a sudden your sons are the ones who pay Mm -hmm. um, the price for that. And we kind of see that with Hezekiah is um, he's very much concerned with the present, but then we see that the kingdom of Judah doesn't last. um, It it goes a few more generations, but it doesn't last a ton of time longer after Hezekiah. Cause I think Josiah is his great grandson, I think. I could be I totally remember. wrong on that, but um, I can't confirm or deny that. Sorry. Yeah. And then after Josiah, it pretty much goes. It it, it takes a crap. There's a st- there's a steep drop off right after that. Um, but enough on Hezekiah's shortcomings. Let's talk about just his overall legacy. How would we rank him? It's funny because his legacy is tainted. Like he his legacy, like he does some incredible things, and we'll get to that. But as like the as far as the future conversation goes, even back to what you just said, it's tainted, right? Because he he shifted something shifted in him to live in the moment and for the rest of his days and not thinking beyond him um which is which is interesting because it's some self-centered thinking it's himself the reality is like all i care about is what's comfortable and convenient for me which speaks to our humanity like crazy but 
um, the legacy beyond him, what is tainted and minimal because of his short-sightedness in that regard. But he did some incredible things, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, well, I think, sorry, well, not that we need to keep hammering on it, but I think um, all the great kings of Israel are tainted. Oh, absolutely. Because um, even when we talked about like David, who is like the the marker of great king of Israel. Like great he job, did, David. I mean, like we, not that people forget about this, but like he did like commit adultery and have her husband murdered. Yeah. Like that was pretty, that was pretty bad. And then lived a year without any kind of remorse. Yep. And then Samuel shows up, calls him out a year later. Nathan, but yeah. Nathan, sorry. Yeah, whatever. It's all the same to me. All the, they're all the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, a year later is when he gets called out by Nathan, the prophet Nathan. Mm-hmm. And that's when he's like, oh, dear God, like I, I've fallen short. And that's where Psalm 51 comes from. So, And that should be an encouragement for us that um, when scripture talks about the great kings or even great people, they're not flawless people. No, not at all. Um, God uses people in spite of their flaws. Yep. Um, and really what they're judged by is, and, and we'll get to this here in a second, we're talking about the legacy of Hezekiah is, did they do what was right in the sight of the Lord? Mm-hmm. And that's really what most of the Kings are judged by. Yeah. Um, okay. So the ending of Hezekiah's story in the book of Kings goes like this, which I think is just a, um, a really cool passage. And we have one more as well. Um, the rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all of his might and how he made the pool in the conduit and brought the water into the city are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Manasseh also sucked. So yes, he did. He, Hezekiah was bookended by a couple of Going couple off. of really bad kings. Um, but Aaron, your big Logos passage talks about... No, it was fun. Like I was reading about it, and he's talking about the um, the canal. The, the, there's a picture that it can't really show you, uh, but there's a picture of someone walking through the canal that you can still see to this day. Um, yeah, if you look up Hezekiah's tunnels, you'll... You'll see it instantly pop up on Google. It's They're still there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm trying to find where that passage was that I didn't highlight well enough for me to be able to find it. Um, but he just talked about like the whole idea was he recognized that um, the he'd have to... Here it is right here. Sorry. So it, was like, it says this, in 711 BC, just a few years after Hezekiah had become king, Sargon of Assyria captured Ashdod. Hezekiah anticipated the time... When you have to confront the Assyrian armies, Hezekiah fortified the city of Jerusalem and organized an army, knowing that a source of water was crucial. This is the the, the canal and pool that he built. Hezekiah constructed a tunnel through solid rock from the spring of Gihon to the Siloam pool. The city was extended to enclose this important source of the water because water is essential to life, especially when there's besieging, especially when there's you know, your, your kingdom is at war because it's life. And so he recognized this, had the foresight and to realize I need to have access to water. And there was a pool of Siloam that he built a tunnel to through rock. And so the picture is literally a, a, a tunnel through that's on case of rock um, that they, it was a canal in essence to draw water from the spring into the city. Uh, and then they, they fortified around this pool. So that way they had to continual access to help to, yeah. to clean water. So. And, and this is a big deal because um, we didn't really talk about it, which is kind of funny. I probably should have put a section of the notes on it, but um so I think it's Sennacherib mm-hmm. is the king of Assyria yes. and he hears about all this and he actually attacks Jerusalem. Um, and he's, he ends up having to, um, I know Hezekiah has to pay, um, a ton of, he has to pay a oh, ton of Oh, you're talking about gold. when Sennacherib's guys came to the, the kingdom and started telling him to give up. Is that what you're talking Pretty about? Pretty much. I think yeah. that's why. Yeah. I, yeah, I really is. should have put notes on there. No, it's right here. I have it. Um, oh, sweet. There you go. Oh, well, I mean, take it away then, I suppose. Um, so this is after, this is after Hezekiah became ill. Um, the, the, it doesn't really give me a time frame necessarily right away, 
Um, but it, you know, it says Sennacherib had besieged Lachish, which is one of the king, which is one of the towns in the cities of Jerusalem, I believe, right? Or Judah, one of the two. Yeah. This is where I, Evan's smarter than me in these things. It says, aware that Hezekiah trusted God for deliverance, Sennacherib sent messengers to Jerusalem, to the Jerusalem wall to urge the people to surrender. Sennacherib boasted of having conquered 46 walled cities and having taken 200,000 captives. Sennacherib's messengers taunted that God would not come to Judah's defense. Hezekiah dressed in sackcloth and ashes, which again is the right response in those moments. Yep. Um, and went to the temple to pray. He called for pro- the Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah announced that Sennacherib would hear a rumor and return to his own land where he would die by the sword. This was in 2 Kings 19. Um, so this is, this is just his moments of after this canal was built, he expected, anticipated being besieged and uh, you know attacked. He fortified his city. He fortified his kingdom. And Sennacherib showed up and was threatening, threatening, threatening. People were freaking out. I mean, if you read the full passage, you'll see it. People were kind of like, well, maybe we should or maybe we shouldn't. And Hezekiah's response was humility. Hezekiah's response was fasting and prayer. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty significant moment. And, and this is, I, like I said, it was after he was healed, right? Yeah. It's after, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's after he was healed. And then that final 15 years of his life, that's what happens. Because I believe, yeah, I believe Sennacherib was upset about the Babylonian incident. And so well, he destroyed the city of Babylon. Sennacherib did. Did he? Wow. Yeah, it says in 689 BC, bro. There you go. Then he went to Egypt, hoping to ward off interference. From Here I am stopping the notes uh, when I shouldn't have stopped them. We should have really talked about it's that. Okay, I wouldn't but, have told anybody if you didn't say anything. Uh, but anyway, talking about the uh, the overall legacy of Hezekiah, I think this passage um, in 2 Kings 18, 5 through 8 is really telling. Um, I intentionally didn't read this because it's actually, um, it's the passage that introduces Hezekiah. But in chapter, in verse five, we really get a, a hindsight portrait of it. And it says, he trusted the Lord. So this is right after it talks about how he threw down all the high places. Mm-hmm. Um, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the king of Judah's after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him whenever he went out, he, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza, <clears throat> Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. So there you go. That's, I mean, that's high praise. Good work. Because um, you could read that as either, um, you could you could read that as he's the greatest king of Judah, um, which is intense. So, because yeah. that, that would count Absolutely. David. That would count David. <laughs> and so. Take that, David. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I guess that kind of, spoils it but if we're going to rank hezekiah on our on our chart he would be a great king yeah of judah um he did and 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 i yeah and i think it's important because we spent a lot of time today talking about his shortcomings but um god doesn't judge us by our shortcomings uh he judges us by really how we trust in him Mm -hmm. and that and that's what hezekiah did incredibly well even though he entertained um, the Babylonian alliance, ultimately he trusts in God at all phases and God delivers him, uh, particularly in his lifetime, as we kind of see. Yeah. Um, but he was also just a wise king in terms of like he, that, that canal and aqueduct structure is great. Um, aqueduct's probably not the right word for it, but for a siege, um, that's a huge thing for a yeah. city to be able to have. Um, the fact that he threw down all of the high places and he turned the hearts of the people back towards God. Yeah, is I huge. mean, he reinstituted the tithe in the temple, which is a big deal. Yep. He, I mean, he he reestablished the rabbinical, or not the rabbinical, the Levitical priesthood and things like that. Like everything that had been taken apart from God, how God had already set it up because of Ahaz, he he reinstituted and reestablished it. Right. Um, and so it was, I mean, it's a big deal for a king to do that, especially 
after the the kingdom was being led one way, which then you know then Manasseh who follows him and is a stupid bad king again. Um, it's an unfortunate tragedy, but and and Hezekiah it shows that we're only responsible for what we can be in control of and what we can do to respond to Christ. So well, it's a real yeah. There's there's a real Ecclesiastes about about it. Oh, so in true. a sense of just. Um, yeah, I think there's there's kings who aren't concerned with the future, but there's also the reality of just, you know, you can be the best that you can be. And if your son sucks, then yeah. so goes the kingdom. David learned that. Hezekiah yeah, and, learned and you're that. not condemned because of that. Like, right. And that's it's hard because I want my kids to love Jesus. But at the end of the day, I can't control what their decisions are. Right. They're their own people. My only thing I can do is pray and submit to the Lord that he's going to be able to work in their lives in due time. So. Well, on that note, uh, that, chat. that was Hezekiah, not Isaiah, but Hezekiah. Hezekiah, king of Judah, one of the great kings for sure. Um, and that wraps it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. Um, just as a quick reminder, we're a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our resources on our website at grove.church. And do us a favor, uh, leave us a five-star review. Um, it just helps to grow the audience and get this podcast out there yeah. to more people and continue to grow the community. It, it is not selfishly focused. It is algorithmic, algorithmic focused. We don't make any money we just, from We this. just want more people to be able to be a part of it. And if you love it, we want you to share it. Yep. Have well, a great day. See you next week. week.